You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wow. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Monday, December 7th, 2020. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. And on today's show, we will recap loss number 12 of the 2020 season for the New York Jets. It was a 31-28 defeat at the hands of the Las Vegas Raiders in truly unbelievable fashion. And our show today is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season is different. Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Now, I don't know how you like to watch games. I like to watch games as my team loses, sending a zero blitz in a Hail Mary situation. But no matter how you watch, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. You know, I've had a very interesting experience in my real life recently. About a month ago, I began helping on this project in my everyday life. And I met somebody who actually knew me beforehand because he was a fan of the podcast. His name's Ben. And... It's exciting for me because I don't think this has ever happened before and it continues to make me feel like a Z-list celebrity as the host of the Locked On Jets podcast. But Ben and I were talking and he mentioned that he had sent me a mailbag question a little while back that unfortunately I did not get to on the show. And the question was what things were like in the Rich Kotite era because Ben was not around then. And I've talked about this on the show at various points in 2020. What set the Kotite era apart from your typical bad coach, like a Todd Bowles, is in the Bowles era, the Jets were just bad. They were your run-of-the-mill bad football team. There was nothing spectacular about their failures, though. I mean, they were about as bad as your typical bad football team. The Kotite era was set apart because as you were watching the team fail, you just could not believe what you were seeing. You could not believe your eyes. It was failure in such spectacular ways that it seemed almost impossible. And I'm starting to feel like the Gaze era may top the Kotite era. I counted last night. I did the math. And I've seen over 250 Jets losses through the years. And I don't think I've ever seen... And maybe I'm forgetting one. Again, that's a lot. 250 is a lot. It's entirely possible that I'm forgetting one. But I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen anything as ridiculous as yesterday's game, where the Jets lose on a 46-yard touchdown with five seconds left in the game. I mean, that's really all you need to know about this game. The Jets were ahead with under 10 seconds to go. All they And the Raiders had the ball at the 46-yard line. All the Jets needed to do was not give up a 46-yard touchdown on one play. And they win the game. And they could not do that. And the reason they could not do that is Greg Williams sends a zero blitz and leaves against three wide receivers, two rookie corners, and not like top picks. One of the rookie corners was a fifth round pick. The other rookie corner who was targeted was an undrafted free agent. And then you had a safety against a wide receiver. And 
you know, Marcus May is a good safety, but safety versus wide receiver advantage is always wide receiver. Just a totally incomprehensible play call. Greg Williams sends eight, or I guess, you know, you can say he sends, he sends seven, and he left a spy in for some reason. I mean, that is the most, that might be the most ridiculous play call I've ever seen. In a, on a team that has show, has made an art form of bad play calls on the offensive side of the ball. The worst call of the year was on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm not, I got to be honest, I'm not necessarily against blitzing in a Hail Mary situation. I do think that there is a time and a place for it. There are times where maybe you catch the offense off guard where they don't leave enough guys in. You know, you and you know you just you blitz the you blitz them because then you force the quarterback to throw it before everybody gets to the end zone and you destroy the play. This was not that situation. The Raiders were ready for it. They left extra guys in. They knew Greg Williams was blitzing because Greg Williams was so predictable. This was unbelievable. You know, if it w- if we were not in a situation where over half the fan base, the vast majority of the fan base, if we were not in a situation where the vast majority of the fan base was either totally disengaged or actively rooting for the Jets to lose or a combination of both, we would remember this game forever. You know, the Jets got off to a good start. They were up 13-7. to They they, they actually got on the board first. They were up 7-0. They were up 13-7. to Then they fell behind 24-13. And they fought back. And they got themselves in a position to win the game. And somehow, they managed... I mean, this is the definition of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. A zero blitz in a Hail Mary situation when you have inexperienced guys on the back of your, your, of your defense. The guys who, I mean, let's be honest, Lamar Jackson, the corner, may not have much of a future in this league. He should not be playing this year. You can't, that's not the guy you leave one-on-one in that situation, especially against the first round. It's first round rookie versus undrafted rookie. There's a reason every year in minicamp, in rookie minicamp, you hear about the first round pick dominating because he's going against guys that are not first round picks. First round pick versus undrafted free agent. That's the matchup the Jets got themselves into. And the, again, the Raiders were ready for this thing. I mean, there's so you could there, there's a lot we would have been talking about had that play not happened. But really, all you need to focus on right now is that one play. And I, let me let me amend that statement because it wasn't just one play. And this is something that's going to get lost in lost in the shuffle here. The Jets should have lost on the play before because they busted a coverage, and David. I'm sorry, Derek Carr missed an open Nelson Aguilar for what would have been a game-winning touchdown. And that was the point where I said, okay, it's got to be the Jets' day, the fact the Raiders missed that throw. And then they they gave it to him again. And I think that now I've been saying I did not think 0-16 was going to happen. And the reason I was saying that is because it's not enough to be really bad to go 0-16. You have to be really unlucky and... You almost, and this statement may not have made sense before yesterday's game, but I think after after watching yesterday's game, you'll understand what I mean. To go 0-16, you have to find a way to lose games that you actually won. And that statement probably makes sense now, because that game against the Raiders yesterday is the perfect example. I mean, I got to tell you, I've, I've seen a lot of ridiculous Jets losses. I saw the butt fumble. I saw the game in Detroit in 2014 when the Jets got crushed by the Bills off their bye. The Bills could not practice that, that week. The game had to be moved to Detroit because of the weather situation in Buffalo. I-93, I, there was a two-week stretch where in back-to-back weeks, the Jets lost games that they led 21-0 against the Eagles and 17-0 against the Raiders. Later that year, they 
had a game the last week of the season against the Houston Oilers where all they needed to do was win. The, the Oilers played their backup quarterback because they had everything clinched. The Oilers defensive coordinator, Buddy Ryan, punched their offensive coordinator, Kevin Gilbride, on the sideline in that game. Jets got crushed in the game. Uh, the Doug Bryan game in Pittsburgh. I mean, I've seen a lot of ridiculous Jets losses through the years. I can't remember anything remotely as ridiculous as that. And the, the, the only thing that you can say for the Jets is that, as I said, the vast majority of fans, now I know there are still a few fans who are, who are upset about this, the vast majority of fans are either dis totally disengaged at this point or they're rooting for the Jets to lose because they want Trevor Lawrence. And a comparison I drew last night when I wrote the game recap on gangreennation.com was a very famous game that took place in the Meadowlands in 1978, and it was between the Giants and the Eagles. It's known as the Miracle at the Meadowlands, where the Giants fumbled. The Giants were all running out the clock in the last 30 seconds of the game, and the Giants fumbled the ball, and Herm Edwards, future Jets coach, who was then a defensive back for the Eagles, scooped the ball up and scored a game-winning touchdown. And that captain era of Giants football where... They were horrible for over a decade. They had missed the playoffs for 15 straight years, I believe, at that point. And it forced the Giants to make changes and forced them to, you know, it was the point of really no turning back. And it forced them to, to make a coaching change. They brought in Ray Perkins. Perkins did not last long with the Giants, but one of his notable contributions was he brought in Bill Parcells as an assistant. And then Perkins left to become the head coach at Alabama. Parcells took over. And you can, and Parcells, of course, won two Super Bowls with the Giants. And you can kind of indirectly trace those Super Bowls back to the action that was forced by the miracle at the Meadowlands. I mean, this was the point where, I mean, even Chris Johnson's got to see that this is not working right now. I mean, what a ridiculous loss. And not only that, but the loss did help the Jets get you know, the loss did contribute to making it more likely the Jets will get Trevor Lawrence next year so on, from that standpoint you know maybe years from now maybe 10 years from now we will look back on this at this loss as a positive for this franchise long term because this kind of coaching and the fact that you've gotten one step closer to Trevor Lawrence I don't know how much good w winning this game would have done for the Jets Maybe it's the maybe it's for the best that they lose in such ludicrous fashion, but it is. You could not get a more ludicrous loss than that. This is, I mean, this is no longer. I, this may not even be Kotite level anymore. Gase might be worse than Kotite. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you crave right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos and choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep our communities safe. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees with their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDON. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDON, one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. LOCKEDON Jets podcast as we recap yesterday's victory by the Las Vegas Raiders over the New York Jets 31 to 28 on a 
46-yard touchdown pass from Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs with five seconds left in the game. As I mentioned, the Jets got off to a pretty good start in this game, and Sam Darnold was sharp early. He looked like a different quarterback from what we've seen most of the year in the first quarter. He threw a pair of touchdown passes. He was making quick reads. There was one play that I noticed that really stood out to me, and that's when he missed his read. He actually had somebody open on a seam route, and he he did not fire it, which has been the case too frequently this year where Darnold is is staring down open receivers, but he quickly progressed and hit his check down target. And to me, like that was a really positive play because even though he missed his read, he still was able to get, he still was able to move on and get something positive out of it. However, things kind of fell apart for Darnold after the first quarter Early in the second quarter, he he fumbled the ball in Jets territory. Makai Becton got crushed for this play. Um, Farrell got around him, but it was I thought it was really Darnold's fault. I mean, Darnold's nine yards deep in his drop. It was not look. It was not a Becton did not stonewall Farrell, but he pushed Farrell like ten yards up the field, and Darnold had plenty of room to to step up, plenty of time to step up. And he just, it was very, I put it on the quarterback more than I put it on the left tackle. I mean, I've seen player, I've seen guys on ESPN highlight reels get made fun of for getting pushed 10 yards up the field by the left tackle. And Darnold just should have stepped up there. And that's the point where things kind of fell apart from him. And after that point, it's felt like we saw the Sam Darnold that we've seen most of 2020, where he he's not really seeing the field very well, made some very curious decisions. And I thought the game, I think the game kind of fell apart from him from, from there. You saw um, the Raiders got a field goal out of that, so it was it was thirteen to ten Jets. Uh, Jets defense actually held and forced the Raiders to kick a field goal, so it was thirteen to ten. Then on the next drive, Jets actually moved the ball a little bit, but Darnold threw an interception. And unlike last week, these interceptions were not one hundred one hundred percent Darnold's fault. Like last week, you, those were like one hundred percent Darnold. This one. Rashad Perryman's I think's got to take some of the grief for this because Perryman made zero effort to fight back for the ball, and that's I mean you got to help your quarterback out a little bit. That said, I mean not a good read by Darnold, not a good throw. You know that's that's me saying it's Darnold and Perryman's fault. That's not me saying Darnold has no blame. And I think in the context of this season, a throw like that from Darnold speaks for itself. The Raiders converted that into a touchdown drive, so it was 17-13, to and then shortly before the end of the first half, Darnold fumbled a second time. This one was more on Becton than the first one, because the Raiders ran a little stunt, and Becton just got destroyed. But that said, I mean, Darnold does not need to fumble the football. So, and from that point, I, I feel like the game kind of fell apart for Darnold. The Raiders led 17-13 at halftime. They came out and put together a 13-play touchdown drive, Early to begin the second half, they received the opening kick, and it was 24-13, and it kind of felt like the game was over from that point. The Jets' offense really struggled to get anything going until a drive that began at the end of the third quarter where they just started running the ball effectively. And in this game, it was Josh Adams and Ty Montgomery because Frank Gore unfortunately suffered a concussion in the early going. And you got young legs at the running back position. And the Jets got actually got a productive day out of their run game, and it was especially true on that drive. Um, in fact, you know, the Jets, almost all of the, that touchdown drive, they put together 
an 89 i'm sorry they put together a a 96 yard touchdown drive and i believe all but 11 of those yards were on the ground and jets scored a touchdown they failed on their initial two-point conversion attempt but the raiders got called for pass interference uh, darnold was trying to target ryan griffin he was kind of scrambling and the raiders got called for pass interference and then darnold found denzel mims for a two-point conversion so jets had cut it to 24 21 and then early in the fourth quarter or i guess you know maybe around the mid mid point of the fourth quarter javelin gidry the rookie makes a big play he strips henry ruggs sets the jets up jets recover and they get set up they're in business and they they get the ball at the vegas 44 yard line they put together jets put together a six play touchdown drive and ty johnson scores from one yard out to give the jets the lead and then the raiders you know raiders come back and they put together a 14 play drive it looks like they're going to score and win the game and the jets put together a actually a pretty impressive stance near the goal line they stopped the raiders and this was a drive where the jets extended the jets extended this thing a couple times because they took penalties Gidry was called for holding on a play where the Jets stopped the Raiders on third down. May was called for holding on a play where it looked like the Jets had stopped the Raiders on fourth down. And it looked like the Raiders were going to score to win the game. I mean, if you've watched the Jets this year, you kind of had the feeling that this thing was not going to head in the right direction. And Oakland, I'm sorry, Vegas, I knew I was going to call them Oakland at some point in this show. Vegas actually scored a touchdown on a fourth and three from the Jets' nine-yard line. With less than two minutes to go, Carr found Hunter Renfro, but the touchdown was taken off the board because of offsetting, offsetting penalties. The uh, Gabe Jackson was called for offensive holding, and Lamar Jackson was called for defensive holding, so the Jacksons held on that play. And the Raiders had to rerun the play, and Carr kind of threw a duck to Nelson Aguilar. It felt like that was it. It was, fourth, it was a fourth down stop, a really gutsy effort by the Jets on defense a really gutsy effort by the jets overall in this game to come back from 24 13 down unfortunately and this has been an issue with the jets through the through the last couple of years the jets were not able to execute a successful four-minute offense four-minute offense is when you're trying to run the clock out with under four minutes to go when you have the lead they only gained four yards i'm sorry they only gained five yards on three plays when a first down would have won the game and they had to punt. But even then, it felt like the Jets were in good shape. The Raiders only got the ball back with 35 seconds left. And then we all know what happened. The Jets really should have lost the game twice. Because if, as I mentioned, on the play before the car touched down to Ruggs, Nelson Aguilar gets wide open because the Jets bust the coverage on that. And then Greg Williams decides to send an all-out blitz in a Hail Mary situation with rookie corners deep. And the rest is history. The Jets fall to 0-12 on the 2020 season. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. There are now 18 amazing flavors, including six new flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are healthy. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. I'm not sure whether it will prevent your defensive coordinator from running a zero blitz in the Hail Mary situation, but it will get you 20% off at BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. Locked on Jets podcast, the day after a truly incomprehensible loss for the New York Jets, 
Of course, many fans are happy about this because they want the Jets to lose games so that Adam Gase will be fired and so that the Jets ha- are in position to draft Trevor Lawrence. And I would not be surprised if 10 years from now we look back on this as a positive because with Minnesota's overtime victory over Jacksonville yesterday, if the Jets had won this game, they would no longer be in position to have the number one overall pick in the draft and they would not be in position to draft Trevor Lawrence. So I guess the timing for this was pretty good for the Jets because so many fans are either disengaged or rooting for losses or a combination of both. And I have to say, for the first time, I really do think this team's going to go 0-16 because this was their win. I, I always feel like every team has a win in it. This was the win. And the Jets still found a way to lose it. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of, like, prognosticating how a team's going to respond emotionally because you never really know with 100% certainty. But man, it's tough to see how the Jets bounce back from this one. To have, you know, to work so hard all season, to fight so hard in that game, you think you finally have your win. You'd have to think that that's a pretty crushing defeat. And you saw it a little bit in the post-game press conferences where Marcus Mace apparently like spent his entire pre- his his entire post-game press conference bashing Greg Williams' play call, and rightly so. And generally, I'm not a big fan of like a player coming out and openly criticizing the coach, but this might be the one situation where it's pretty warranted. It was such an unbelievably bad play call. And you just look at everything that's added up here, the frustrations of this year, the fact that you thought you finally had a win, the fact that now you got to go out to the West Coast and play a couple of really good teams. It has to. It has to be pretty demoralizing. You know, you have to think that this team is in position to become the third in NFL history to go zero and sixteen, and perhaps again, I go back to this. Perhaps that's what this franchise needed. This franchise. It's it's interesting because in the last decade where they've missed the playoffs, they've never really really bottomed out. They've never been the worst team in the NFL, and now they are, and I think that. Sometimes over the course of the last decade, the Jets have put together a couple late season wins and it's convinced ownership that things were not as bad as they really were. It convinced ownership to stay the course with this quarterback or this coordinator or this head coach or this general manager. And that ultimately proved to be a mistake. The wins camouflaged what was really a bad situation. There's no camouflaging this anymore. You saw yesterday Darnold continued to look like a guy you could not move forward with. The coaching, I mean, forget about it. This is the worst situation in the NFL right now. This is the worst team in the league. And it's going to need to be dealt with, and big changes are going to be necessary because this team is now likely to go 0-16, which is remarkably embarrassing. But it's an embarrassment that was brought on by a series of awful decisions, not just this past year, but through the years. It did not take one year to get you to 0-16. It took a decade worth of bad decisions, incomprehensible choices to get us to this point. And I'd say there's only one way to go. I'd say there's you can only go up from here, but we still have four games to go to get to that point. And I don't see where the win's going to come from. That's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy our show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. I hope you have a good Monday, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow to talk more Jets.